Hey guys, you know what it is. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod. On our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Check us out on YouTube where you can see all our handsome boy faces. Today we're getting into something pretty fun. Uh, this is a genre that, that I really liked as a kid and still really like, but it's one of those ones that every now and then you get back into it and you're like, this is freaking awesome. I can't believe they sold this to us, to this as, sold this to us as kids. We're talking tokusatsu. So let's get our little ranger belts ready and henshin. <laughs> Biggest explosion ever. I was like, this is why you need to watch us on YouTube because Rumi just did a whole bit, a whole visual bit that you need to watch. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the skin tight, brightly colored leotard is what really made it. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm uh, Matt. Matt, today we're we're getting into some kind of fun. We don't, we don't normally do this, and I know this isn't a genre that, that you're super into, but as a kid, were you into Power Rangers? No, because Power Rangers came out when I was like just a little too old, I think, and I was so excited for it because I thought it was going to be live-action Voltron, and then I started it, and it was like the fighting was such low production value and it was like all the fuck over the place. I had trouble keeping track of it. Like Voltron, you can kind of track, right? It makes like some sort of logical sense. But uh, Power Rangers, I was like, this doesn't even look that cool. And I'm having trouble like following it. Yeah. So I watched a couple episodes. I obviously know what it's about, but never got into it. Were you into it? Oh, yeah. Way into it. But again, way into it because the fighting and the colors and the explosions. But then when they were like doing people stuff, you're like, this is dumb. You better hurry. Okay. They're fighting again. Like, well, I mean, let's not, let's not gloss over the attractiveness of the pink ranger <laughs> out of, <laughs> out of, Jamie out of jo costume. Jamie Joe Johnson. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, we're talk talking tokusatsu, which literally means special effects show. And it, it, it was started with Godzilla. I mean, that's where it started. We're talking mm -hmm. 1954's Godzilla. Um, we have the special effects uh, the guy who did the special effects, Ichi Tsuburaya, and the director, Ishiro Honda, and he was like, hey, I got this great idea. Let's put a guy in a suit, smash some buildings. And um, the, the Tsuburaya was like, I'm down, dude. This sounds so awesome. And Honda was like, hey, I, I need to describe it. I need a new word to describe it. What are we going to call it? And he goes, well, tokusatsu, you know, special effects show. And then he goes, okay, okay. Um, but I need I need something better to describe it. And he's... And, and, uh, he goes, what about bananas, sir? And he goes, no, I, I don't want to relate it to a tropical fruit. And he goes, what about batty? He's like, mm, no, that's too animalistic. Zany? Hmm, I don't know. We're just, we need something to hit him over the head with. And then Subaraya said, how about bonkers, sir? He said, bonkers. We need some bonkers tokusatsu up in this joint. And we brought somebody, we have a guest on the show today, somebody who knows a little something about bonkers tokusatsu joints. Ryland Grant, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast again. How are you guys doing? Glad to be back. Yeah, it's been a it's it's been a while, but it's always a fun romp, and uh, this is a fun topic. We we're we're having you on to talk about this topic for a real fun reason. And I got to say, I'll say right now, I know a little bit more about Tokoblocko more than I did before, because before <laughs> Ryland's got a new book coming out, and he keeps describing it as a Tokusatsu bonkers Tokusatsu joint. And my first thought was that Tokusatsu was a Japanese director. 
And then I mentioned it to Rumi and Rumi's like, no, no. And Rumi explained it to me. And I was like, okay, so I know what that is. I just don't necessarily know a lot about it or a lot about in that frame. But I can't for the life of me remember Tokujaku. So I know (laughs) that it's one of my favorite um, ramen based broths. It's like when I order my ramen, it's a miso based broth. So I know to do that. So uh, I might have trouble remembering the word throughout the episode. I'm going to do my best, even though I really do know what it is. But now I know a little bit more. But this is going to be fun. So I guess, Ryland, tell us a little bit about your Toko and Razar backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, first of all, like I, I, I love the intro. I mean, it, it, it was great, uh, you know, hearing you come with some uh, some history and some knowledge. I mean, I feel like usually I'm starting from square one um and uh and 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 not so um let me tell you uh it's hard to you know talk about my background we can get more into the background but it's hard to talk about it uh without talking about kind of the evolution of the project and um, do both whatever however you can you can wait us in let's do it yeah well let's uh, let's wait into the water because i think it relates pretty nicely to your your intro which again i thought was 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 very good um and so um I co-created, um, uh, uh, sort of co-conceived of Suicide Jockeys, my bonkers new uh, uh, tokusatsu fit, which is uh, being uh, released in comic shops in August via SourcePoint Press. You can um, go uh, down to your local comic shop right now and put it on your pull list. Tell me you want it every month. We got four issues coming. Very bonkers. Very crazy. Great ride. Go check it out. But I co-created it with a guy named Brad Warner um uh who is brad warner um i think we've talked about this before on the show one of the very odd uh and more interesting uh lines um in my bio is that i happen to be an ordained soto zen buddhist monk um one of my claims to fame is that i actually taught mike tyson how to meditate um and uh how's that working uh uh, uh, it's working great (laughs) give me one second i'm gonna let my dog all right all right, guys. Um, my dog's driving me nuts. But um, so uh, so uh, Soto Zen is a Japanese uh, tradition. Um, and so because of about 15 to 20 years practicing Soto Zen and ultimately being ordained, um, I have a lot of weird connections back to Japan um, and folks who work in Japan. And, you know, after a twist and a turn, tokusatsu. So uh through my years of Zen practice, I met a fellow ordained monk named Brad Warner, who happens to be a very um, distinguished author in his own right. He is kind of, you know, one of the more prolific and important uh, and affecting uh, American Zen authors in like the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, he is best known for a book called Hardcore Zen. Um, and the subtitle there is Punk Rock, Monster Movies, and the Truth About Reality. Um, but it's a great book. I mean, it's sold like, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies, but it is kind of widely known as kind of the American Zenny's like technical manual. Um, and Brad has this interesting story. He was, uh, um, he grew up in Akron. Um, he went to Kent state. Um, he was a punk rocker, um, who kind of got fed up with, you know, uh, 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 being a kind of a liberal guy, like life in the Reagan era, uh, eighties. And he kind of fell out and he moved to Japan. And he moved to Japan specifically to um, to make monster movies. Um, 
uh, he, you know, kind of grew up, um, kind of like I did. I mean, my, um, my first, um, interaction with Tokusatsu was, uh, you know, every, we all had like the UHF channels, you know, there were, there were sure. two of them in, in Detroit, there was 20 and 50 WKBD. And, uh, every weekend during the day, WKBD TV 50 played weird, crazy tokusatsu stuff uh for a couple of hours and i was like glued to it and i didn't you know i was a kid i didn't fully understand it but it was like triple fighter specter man uh there was something called Poseidon that like that really grabbed me because there was time travel and dinosaurs and vehicles and stuff like that and and you, you can actually see a lot of Poseidon and uh in in suicide jockeys um but brad was even more steeped in this stuff and it was like his passion growing up and so he decides he has this kind of like early life crisis decides uh, I'm tired of this. I need to like follow my dreams. And, and, and actually he writes to people at, a, at, at Zubariah productions, uh, uh, um, you know, founded by Zubariah, the guy you were talking about in the intro, the, uh, you know, the actual founder of Godzilla, um, in Japan. And he ends up with a job, um, as an executive, as a producer at Zubariah productions. And so, um, Zubariah Productions has, uh, they've made dozens of tokusatsu shows over the years. I mean, since, uh, you know, the, the 60s or, or whatever, but um, they are best known for making all of the Ultraman shows. Yeah. And so Brad moved, to, Brad moved to Japan, and he was for about a dozen years an executive, a producer on Ultraman. Um, and, uh, and, and he also found Zen there, um, you know, uh, uh, was ordained himself. He brings, you know, his tradition back to the United States. He meets me. And uh, we kind of hit it off over a mutual love of Zen and Tokusatsu and all of this stuff. And, um, and you know, we were, uh, we have thought for a long time that Tokusatsu, like, didn't get a fair shake in the States. Um, you know, it, it has kind of a cult following. It has a niche uh, sort of audience, but it's never, it's never really been cool. It's never been badass. It's never been, you know, awesome. There's never been like the billion dollar tokusatsu movie, you know? Um, And, um, and so we didn't think that was right or fair or anything. And so the idea was for us to come together and to do tokusatsu for like the, uh, the like hungry American action movie fan. And, you know, I, I, I've been on the show before, but you know, it's been a while. My background is, is, you know, my, my day job is I write, uh, you know, poppy action movies. I've written movies for, uh, Ridley Scott, JJ Abrams, John Woo, Luke Basson, uh, Justin Lin, F. Gary Gray. My, uh, my, my biggest claim to fame is that I have written for the directors of, uh, six of the nine Fast and the Furious movies at this point. And so, (laughs) and so, so, uh, you know, kind of what we were looking to do, uh, uh, with this is kind of do like Voltron meets the Fast and the Furious, right? Well, um, since you, I, I'm going to jump in yeah. because since you yeah, said yeah. Fast and the Furious, at what point is the, are they just going to do it? They know they want to. Well, at what point is just like Vin Diesel and Ludacris going to be like? It's like Ludacris is like I'm the fist, and like Vin Diesel is like I'm the head, and they like form into. Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I want to see Vin Diesel put his hands up like that, do that, and the middle. What's the yeah. yeah, do do the henshin move, and they all just like transform into a giant Fast and the Furious thing and fight giant monsters. Yeah. Like they're heading in that direction. Those movies are so bananas to begin. It with. is, yeah, it, it, it is coming, and um, and you know the joke is always like, well, they're going to space next, and and I haven't seen the ninth one yet. Have you guys seen the ninth one? No, no. Um, I've seen whispers on the internet that that uh, you know that that, that Tyrese and Ludacris br- are, are briefly in space. <laughs> 
So I, I don't, it, I mean, it, it, it may have been a joke, but I've seen it so often uh, uh, that, that I'm starting to think that there might be a moment. I mean, he, he, here's the thing. Can you get more ludicrous? Uh, not that ludicrous, but actually ridiculous. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you, you know, I mean, I, I, I worked with, uh, with FDR Gray right after, uh, well, kind of during uh, uh, Fast 8. And can you get more d- ridiculous than someone driving a Ferrari on like a, a, you know, on a frozen sea being chased by a Russian submarine. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's know. so wild. And those movies just, they know what they are and, yeah. and it's fun. They make it fun. And here's the thing about Tokusatsu. I, I want to give a little bit of my background. My first foray into Hollywood, when I was trying to get a job, I was working at target and I got a job on a Tokusatsu show called common Rider dragon night produced oh, nice. by yeah. Steve Wang. And awesome. I got to work on this show and I got to work with the uh, the stunt teams and I got to see them perform and they literally brought all the suits out, all the monster suits and what they were trying to do and it was very tough because they were trying to bring it to America and they were trying to make it badass. Steve Wang wanted it to be serious and the show dealt with some serious shit. Like there was revenge. Like this guy, I, I, I say in quotes, kills this dude's brother. The show couldn't kill off another character. That would have been too violent for a kid's show. But like yeah, yeah. in the in the world when they quote unquote vented somebody, that was the word they used, they got banished to this like crystal prison. You basically killed him, okay? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. he kills this guy's brother because he thinks he's doing a heroic thing. He's like, I'm going to get rid But it's revenge. And those deep like themes of revenge was pretty mature for a kid's show. And the Japanese producers were like, we want it to be funnier. And they yeah. were like, we want it to be more badass. And they were like, we want, so there's always this battle between the yeah. goofiness and the fighting. But because we, we reused a lot of footage from a different common writer show, common writer, Ryuki, and mm-hmm. then would shoot a bunch of new stuff too, to kind of blend it all together. It was really a cool show to work on, to see the action, man, they go hard. They brought over a whole team from Japan to be in the suits and to just kick ass all day. One guy like, broke his collarbone and then they found out at the end of the day is like i need to go to the hospital now and they're like what whoa what happened he's like i broke my collarbone early in the morning and they're like and you fought all day he's like yeah i couldn't leave work and it's like hats off if he was really good like if he was a a really good i don't know part of tokusatsu he his bones would have been able to join back together you know what I mean? He would have been able yeah. to like yell and there would have been like a flash of lightning and he would have put it back together. Yeah. Kamen Rider is interesting too. And like I said, I didn't know a lot about this. I didn't know this specific subgenre of Japanese movies, especially like it's, it's kind of kaiju movie, but it's not exactly kaiju movie. Yeah. I did some research and it Kamen Rider was one of the biggest splashes that that made here in America because not many Japanese tokusatsu movies and, 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 and shows really found a good foothold here if anything they found a foothold here with merchandise and toys because there's a lot of toys for shows and shit that we never saw here but are over there in japan um but uh rylan's trying rylan's trying to 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 bring bring that back here at least starting off in in comic book form right well yeah and um you know, I, I, I mean, I think you, you've sort of alluded to it, you know, you kind of, you kind of sussed it out where it's like, there is this, there is this goofy tone that, that this stuff has never been able to kind of divorce itself from, you know, and then even if they try, they'll get too serious. They'll get too, uh, I don't know, too harsh, too intense. It's like they, the, there's always been a battle for tone, you know what I'm saying? And, and then, and then also like, 
I mean, it's about who it's aimed at, right? I mean, I, I, I still think, you know, Common Rider is, I mean, they want kids to like it. They want kids to buy toys, you know? Um, uh, uh, I mean, Common Rider is, is interesting because like there's, there's so much of it. So the beauty of Common Rider is there's so many incarnations that like you can kind of find your version of it. Um, and it's not something like you don't have to, you know, even though there have been 10 versions of it, you don't have to like have seen the first five versions to start watching the sixth version and like it. Um, you know, and, and so, so that ends up being really accessible and really interesting. I mean, that's still kind of like really, I don't know what to say. It still feels really goofy to me. And so for, for us, like it was about taking all of the stuff that we loved about, uh, about tokusatsu, um, you know, and, and we're kind of not the first, uh, we're kind of not the first people to do stuff like this. I mean, it's like, um, you know, I, uh, um, you know, when I was, I was kind of exchanging some messages with Matt over the course of the week. And, and he said something about like, well, we want to talk about your influences. And of course, like there are the primary tokusatsu influences here that, uh, that I went over, you know, when I was a kid and I was like, just sucking up, you know, triple fighter and specter man and, and, and Voltron, like, like the most of us, you know, and Poseidon and, and, and there, there were those classic things. And I mean, what I did love about Poseidon, you know, it was, it was the vehicles. They had this really cool, badass vehicle. That was this armored thing that they went to. And, and, and it was the same thing we loved about Voltron. Like, Oh, this vehicle is amazing. And there are several vehicles and they combine it uh, into one and do something cool and different. All of that stuff is cool and awesome. Um, but again, bleed the goofiness, the slapstickiness out of it. And, and I think you have something, um, do you guys remember there was a show that it was very briefly on network television when, when we were younger called, uh, uh, highwaymen. Do you remember this? No. It was almost like, a it was almost like us marshals in like a Mad Max kind of world. And they drove around in these kind of big rigs that had other elements to it. Like the, uh, uh, the, the, the principal character had this, it, you know, it was almost like a, uh, an 18 wheeler semi truck. Um, and the cab converted into a helicopter and then he could go chase after people. And it was like, he was just kind of like traveling to earth, like Kane and Kung Fu, like, you know, solving problems and, you know, killing criminals. And, <laughs> and, and there, there was like all of the stuff that we loved about Tokusatsu was in this thing where you had the vehicles and the vehicles that transformed and did stuff and they fought bad guys and they fought crime, but it was in this kind of grounded Mad Maxi world. Um, and that was really interesting. And so when I was, you know, I saw that a little later. And so it was like the obvious progression for me going from like something goofy, like Spectre Man, Triple Fighter, and then moving on to, to Highwaymen, which, which felt like more me and more, and more interesting. And then, um, I'm looking at this right now and he's not kidding when he says mm. it's a big rig with a, <laughs> with helicopter, a helicopter cab. Yeah, and <laughs> it's pretty cool looking, but you're right. This is so this is absolutely like an Americanized version of kind of what Japan was doing yeah. in the eighties. You can definitely see those influences. Um, and especially weird too, cause there is a culture in Japan of like souped up big rigs. Like yeah. they do these really flashy souped up pop big rigs. So this mm -hmm. is, this is really interesting. I don't, I've yeah. never seen this, but I'm looking at it now. I'm like, I yeah, they want to watch one. They, they, yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to go back and look at it, you know, and it is like a, again, like they're essentially like us marshals. And so there is almost like a justified uh, nature to it, you know, like it's railing Gibbons rolling and do like a big rig with the helicopter uh, uh, cab. And I mean, it is cool and it is interesting. And like it was stuff like that where, you know, I mean, the show is in a lot, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's a mess. But um, 
there's so much interesting stuff about it that it never left me. And so, you know, when I, you know, a couple of decades later, when I'm in Hollywood and a working screenwriter and, you know, have some comic book cred and all that stuff, um, these are the things that are still in the back of my mind. And, and, you know, it's like, you, you kind of put these things on the shelf and you don't know what you're going to do with them. And then when you're looking for the next thing or opportunity meets, uh, uh, uh this or that, you kind of pull it down and dust it off. And, and, um, yeah, and it was something like that. And so it's like, I mean, when, if we were going to do it, we were going to, I feel like they've never worked great in the States because they've never divorced themselves of the need to like be aimed at children of, 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 of the goofy tone of the slapstickiness and the camp of the, and, and, you know, and to a certain degree, you have to like acknowledge that stuff. I mean, we have some like, you know, again, it's, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring that up in the background yeah, of your panel. One of my favorite things about this comic book it's yeah. it's when they're at the conventions. And it's not even what's in the panel; it's what's in the background of the panel. You yeah. guys have Easter eggs for days of yeah, like yeah. henshin stuff, a common rider, mass rider, uh, Power Rangers, Godzilla. You guys have that stuff all in the background, and it's 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 fun little Easter egg hunt for sure. Well, well, well yeah, and then we have the eighteen van and the, yes. the Ferrari for Magnum PI, yep. and it's it, you know again, it is this. It, it was the beauty of doing this with Brad, where it was like, um, you know, I am making sure that you know the the uh, you know the kid that grew up loving American action movies is being served, and he is making sure that the the, the Tokusatsu fan is giving an authentic experience, even though we're kind of giving them a, a curveball of a Tokusatsu joint here. But because of that, because like we feel like we're we're including them and we're giving them a seat at the table, I feel like this is really going to kind of translate. Um, it was it was important to find the right tone and the right approach to it. Um, and, um, and again, like, you know, I, I you know, Fast and the Furious is, is, is a good comp cause it's a big movie and, 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 and this is really about a, a non-traditional family and that sort of thing. But, you know, I feel like it's, um, there's more heart, there's more soul in, in, in this than, than those movies are, are, are maybe like considered to have, even though I will argue with anyone that says that, um, in, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of its examination of a non-traditional family, this has more, uh, in common with Boogie Nights. Uh, then maybe Fast and the Furious does. We 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 try to you know minus the uh, the uh, prosthetics. Um, uh, <laughs> however, to me the perfect tone uh, I found in another kind of uh, uh, subgenre of of action. Um, you guys probably know it. Well, you you definitely know it. You probably love it. You better love it, or I may I may terminate this uh, this podcast early. Um, <laughs> There was a a period of action movies uh, in the 90s um, that were big. They were bad. They were swaggery and testosterone driven, and they were awesome. Uh, and they were they were sort of epitomized by um, movies like Face Off, like Con Air, like The Rock. Um, the masterpiece of the entire genre may be Armageddon. Um, and and again, they were just big and bad and ridiculous and howling at the moon and um, and uh, you, you know and, and and they were they were fed by movies like Die Hard and Forty Eight Hours. It's and, the post. Yeah. It's the post muscle era, and and that yeah. is a th- it's like it's a very true thing where it's yeah. like where where now it's Bruce Willis and Nick Cage are are the action heroes when in the eighties yeah. it was all. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, it's oily yeah. muscles. Yeah, it's the yeah. post muscle era. It still has all the testosterone, but like, yeah. you know, they they had done those movies, so now they're trying to do something different. And I love that you know your main character in this. He might resemble a famous 
uh, action star from that era. Well, it's it, 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 it's it's on purpose because like all of this stuff is referential. I mean, what we've done is, I mean, those those movies were unapologetically on PC. You know what I'm saying? You you watch mm-hmm. those, and I and I love them. I mean, you can you guys can see behind me. I guess it's it's below the camera now, but I have a I have a whole VHS setup uh, going on down here. Oh, and nice. so while while I'm writing, you know, I mean, I, I I write, you know, for whatever, you know, eight to ten hours a day every day. Uh, while I'm sitting here, I pop in old VHS movies, and and so this is what I watch. You know, it's uh, every day. It's just Die Hard's on in the background, uh, Armageddon's on in the background, uh, uh, the Con Air's on in the background, um, and it, you know, it, it's just uh, you know, it, it, it's just it, it calms me. It's it's uh, it's like a um, white noise for me uh, that is very pleasant and very interesting. But you know, I mean, those movies are problematic, um, and and sometimes they are humorously problematic, sometimes not. Um, you know, this is, this is, this is, uh, you know, uh, our, our book suicide jockeys takes place on kind of two, uh, two time planes, right? There's, uh, there is this thing that happened 10 years ago, 10 years ago, this team, they were the biggest, baddest monster fighting crew in the game. You know, they stood between, you know, the earth and anything that, that sort of meant it harm for, for years. They were celebrated. They were the biggest heroes around. And then this mission goes horribly wrong. Uh, kind of the the mother figure of the non-traditional family is lost um and that causes infighting and ugliness and the 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 team is kind of torn apart and so uh the in the present day the team is fractured uh they're in kind of separate corners of the globe they haven't talked to each other there's tons of bad blood basically like short and sweet a scientist walks out of the shadows and says you remember that thing that went wrong uh uh there is now this opportunity to maybe to, to correct it, to bring mama back. And so, so, you know, so our, our, our protagonist, our father figure, um, has to kind of slap the family back together. They have to bury years of bad blood and kind of head off and, 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 and write this wrong. But that is a long winded way of saying, you know, so our protagonist, our protagonist, Denver, he, he does, uh, you know, he does resemble a certain, uh, uh, you know, figure from that time period. But that was the idea is that, you know, it's almost like, he's walked right off the set of Die Hard as, uh, uh, or, 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 or Con Air or any one of these movies. And he is that swaggery, swinging dick, overly testosterone action hero um, who, you know, who, who has not changed uh, for any number of reasons. It is a case of arrested development. And now we are in this, this, uh, this time of like, you know, this is a socially conscious time. Uh, uh, we have changed more socially and politically in the last 10 years than, you know, in the previous 50 combined probably. Um, and he has not caught up yet and, and, and he is trying very hard and very admirably, but is he is a remarkably flawed character. And so part of the exploration here is like, okay, well, you know, if if you just kind of plucked Bruce Willis out of Die Hard and put him in a movie now, like how could that possibly work? And, 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 and in the ways it doesn't work, like that's kind of, those are the ways in which this project is kind of glorious. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like a, it's like watching a very entertaining, like social car wreck. Right. Sure. So, well, I yeah. mean, in, in that, in that scenario, you can definitely see why Holly Gennaro keeps her maiden name. <laughs> 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 so, uh, do you guys want to hear a, uh, brief tokusatsu story involving Danny Trejo? Always. What <laughs> Everything if I said- is better with, oh, everything is better with Danny Trejo, but if but I said ahead, no, I just to be condescend, like just to be consent, like would it, Split the vote, or you Stop, get a Zoom now. Boop. <laughs> like, boop. No, fuck yeah. How do, I, how do I boot Matt? Okay, so I'm a PA on this bonkers tokusatsu common writer, and um, I had one job, 
don't let anybody through this door. I was on a lockup. Don't let anybody through this door. That's my job. That's all I have to do today. And it's going pretty easy. Nobody's come to the door. Suddenly, I hear, hey, I'm going to do a terrible Danny Trejo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. yeah be, care- be very careful here. You don't want to get yourself canceled. He says, hey, do you know Jimmy Sprague? And I go, yeah, that's my boss. He goes, tell him there's a big Mexican down here. And he's pissed. And I was like, uh, Aaron, for Jimmy, I'm not even supposed to be on the walk. And they're like, and he's like, what do you want? What is it? And I was like, um, there's a gentleman down here and he's angry. And Danny was not happy that I did not say word for word what he said, but I wasn't going to say that over the radio. And, and, and I was like, I think you should come down here. And he was so mad. My boss was so mad. He comes storming down. And sees Danny Trejo, and it was suddenly that scene from Star Wars where Han Solo sees Lando for the first time, and they pretended to be mad at each other for a few seconds. They went, ah, you son of a bitch, and hugged it out, and you're like, this is ridiculous. And he's like, Danny, I'm working on the show. It's like Power Rangers like this. He's like, oh, I love Power Rangers. And he's like, Aaron, show him around. And then he grabs me. My boss grabs me. He goes, don't let him play with the weapons or the, or the costumes. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Cut to three minutes later, Danny Trejo's putting on the helmet. He's waving the swords around. He's shooting the guns. Like, it's just, I couldn't stop him. What was I going to say? Mr. Trejo, I'm not supposed to let you wear this. But he was having a blast. And like, he was filming a movie there. And the rest of the week, he'd come by and be like, hey, what's up? He signed my uh, Machete poster. It was really cool. Dude, you're missing (laughs) the point. You were a PA on that movie? On the show, yeah. (laughs) And And Danny Trejo, as big and unique looking as he was yeah. what you needed to do was get five or six other pas and fucking combined to take danny trejo on i would watch that show <laughs> that's a that's a tonka trutsu joint if i ever heard of one but him wearing the uh the common rider helmets was hysterical because he's got he had the long hair at the time he's like got the helmet on he's holding the swords waving around he's just Man, so it was funny. Before he became a donut uh, uh, kingpin. Yeah, man. This was before the donuts. This yeah, was before, yeah the but before, he, before, before he had all that donut money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was still yeah. taking the, the straight-to-DVD movies. Yeah, well, slumming it in Michael Manfair and stuff like that. There's a, um, they, Have you guys listened to the Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network? They they, they go through old movies. It's, it's a great podcast. You should listen to it. Um, you know, it's one of these things where you can kind of go through the feed and just pick up. Oh, I love that movie. And, and, and they sort of celebrate it, but they have these categories, you know, where it's like, okay, well, let's explore this about the movie. And one of the final categories was always, would this movie be better with Danny Trejo? Um, <laughs> and, and, and like the first 10, it was always hilarious, you know, but they, they very quickly found that the answer, like no matter what was always yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're doing like sense and sensibility, yes, it would, it would, it, there's just no argument. It would still be better with Danny Trejo. I mean, <laughs> and, he, uh, and he so always they, adds they, flavor. Yeah, they had to retire the category because, you know, because the answer was always yes. And so, you know, for a while, they, they sort of graduated to just saying, like, you know, obviously this would be better with, uh, uh, you know, with Danny Trejo, so we don't have to talk about it. And, you know, since then, uh, they, they've stopped mentioning him. But uh, I think that's very telling. Well, as far as marquee value is concerned, um, you, Ryland, I remember you telling me about this book literally years ago yeah. because it has two really big <clears throat> like real life celebrities in it. You have their likenesses and you use their actual real, real life names. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Is there, there are celebrities in this book? Oh not? yeah. There's two, there's two. Oh, really? I mean, 
very handsomely drawn men in the book who are also very handsome in real life. They're handsome men, but they call themselves handsome boys. And um, you use their their real life names, which I'm thinking will lead to royalties in the future, especially when the film gets big. Yeah, it could uh, be. I, I, then, I, I, shot, I really should have got some uh, some paperwork signed. I think I'd never. Uh, well, I mean, now they have to play themselves in the movie. But uh, if yeah, you guys if you guys can't figure it out, uh, Ryland was kind and gracious and fun enough to put not only me and Aaron's likenesses in the book, because we've been in a couple, a couple, couple comics before, but Ryland is the first guy to ever put our names in there too. We play producers. So um, Ryland, Aaron and I have read a couple issues now, but no issues are actually out yet. So why don't I let you divulge what you want to divulge about that? Cause that's we're we're, we're super jazzed about that. Yeah. About your involvement. Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, I probably have to, you know, again, back up and set the table a little bit. Um, So, uh, so um, my books, I, I very rarely uh, tell a straightforward story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've done enough. We know. I spent 15 years in Hollywood doing that. And, and my work got stale and I was miserable. And, uh, you know, I, I've been doing it for about 12 years and, and I was looking at doing it for another 12 years. And I'm like, I'm not sure I can do this. And so part of moving over to comics was that, um, you know, I mean, what you can do in movies right now, you can fit on a postage stamp like Hollywood. They, they, they make five different kinds of movies. They want you to, to write them a, a certain way. Um, there's kind of no room do you for want Marvel or DC, sir. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so, um, and you know, again, I mean, I, I'm, I'm good at writing those movies, phoning the men, they bought my house, but you know, it, it was not inspiring. And so I was like, I don't know if I, I hate being the guy that complains about getting to write movies for a living, but I, I didn't know if I could do it for another 12 years and not crack and like move to Antarctica and look for meteorites or something. Um, and so comics kind of saved my creative life. And, and part of that was that it's a playground. It is a creative, crazy bonkers playground. Um, you can tell any kind of story, any kind of way, uh, as long as it is good, uh, uh, you will find an audience for it and it will be celebrated and embraced. Um, and so when I got into comics, I, I made a promise that I was never going to tell a straightforward story. I was going to double down on picture and uh and and time and experimental elements and, and all of that stuff i mean if you go back to banjax like issue two of banjax takes place from the uh the the point of view of a man who hasn't slept in seven days he's literally being driven mad and so you're seeing things through his point of view you have no idea what's real and what isn't you're given no answers in the end and 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 so so i have i i, I mean i'm known for doing stuff like this and so um and so kind of as you alluded to um uh you know in this book and i explore this in a lot of my books i explored it in aberrant and banjax like if there were actual tokusatsu heroes in the world if there were people that beat back monsters and saved our lives they would be like mega celebrities right they would be you know they, they would just be be massive stars and so so we explore what that would look like in a grounded way here um as grounded as you can do in like a tokusatsu book where monsters are coming out of the water and, and thrashing cities but you know again 10 years ago they were the biggest stars in the world now it's 10 years later and everybody is in a different place and you know you talked about there being conventions here well i mean i'm a comic creator who has for like the last five years had to do conventions and and you know maybe i'm like a little bit comic famous which isn't very famous but when i go to a con i have people lining up for autographs at my table and wanting to take pictures of me and that's totally weird and foreign to me and so i'm kind of exploring that with this but but it's like but denver you know our protagonist used to be the biggest hero on the planet now he's like in in some like random you know horrible corner of of uh you know autograph alley on the con floor next to the bathroom 
sandwich between Lou Ferrigno and uh, Eric Estrada, literally. Um, yeah. And he's and, and he spends his days trying to like, as he says, it says upsell mongoloids, trying to get him to buy bobbleheads and and uh, and um, and and t-shirts. Um, so not not everybody has had that sort of problem. Like uh, uh, the his sort of um, I don't know, like the Ben Affleck to his Bruce Willis and, and Armageddon, his uh, his sort of like son figure uh, has become kind of a megastar in a different sense. He, he, um, uh, he, he was able to transition it to a huge career, not just about monsters. Like now he's basically like a judge on America's got idol or like in these other it, TV shows, he's parlayed it into it, it, uh, stardom. It, yeah. Yeah. He has become a Kardashian. Essentially. He is now famous for being famous. And like you said, yeah, he's, he's doing Pepsi commercials and, and, and hawking products. And he has this inane Kardashian like reality show. Um, and so again, my bonker stuff, we spend about a third, at least of issue two, watching this guy's inane, terrible, but delightful Kardashian like reality show. Mm -hmm. And you guys, uh, you play the, the duplicitous producers of the show, um, where uh, I, I I've talked about this plot where it's like, okay, well, uh, uh, they realize, you know, they lost the mother figure 10 years ago. Somebody's come out of the shadows says we, we can save, we, we can save the mother. We can bring her back. We need to bring the family back together. So the protagonist is trying to bring the family back together. Um, you guys see an opportunity. This could be good television. Uh, and you are, you are trying to pit people against each other. Uh, and, 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 and you were, and you were trying to, to force this to happen on camera. Um, and, that's my favorite and, and, part is that we want to yeah. see it like keep them keep it rolling keep the cameras rolling no matter what it's like he wants yeah. to confront you but he needs to do it on camera like, yeah it's so perfect because yeah. <laughs> i mean no, matt and i are yeah. definitely not that slimy but um yeah. i know we've had times where like matt this could be a shit show matt's like yeah that's gonna be great for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so i i had some fun with you guys you guys have some good lines where it's uh uh you know the the character uh is having a crisis of conscience like you guys are you guys are advertising him uh uh, uh you know as as a hero and 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 he's wondering is he a hero anymore i mean that's kind of the 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 thematics like the character arc of the of the the issue and he's like, you know, he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a hero anymore. I haven't been a hero for 10 years. I'm an actor now. And you're, and, and, and I believe it's, <laughs> it's you, Aaron, who says, well, okay, then act like a hero. Act like a fucking hero. <laughs> you know? yeah. Act like a fucking hero, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and that kind of sums you guys up. And so it, it, it was fun. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, I needed, um, I mean, if I was going to explore that sort of a uh, corner of this thing, which, which was, I, I think it shows in the comic that I had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I needed some, uh, you know, I needed like Charles Foster Kane, like characters being like, you know, bring me the pictures and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the headlines, you know? Wow. A Charles Foster Kane comparison. Like, well, that corner, like, you know, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it is publishing days, but yeah. And this is funny. And this will transition to like an actual question, but like Ryland, we've known Ryland for years now. He's helped us get a good foothold in some some cool con experiences and stuff. Um, and we've had him on the show to talk about a lot of different projects. He told us years, literally years ago about this book that we were going to be in it. We were going to be these producers and uh, didn't give us too much more details. But we knew it was like a project that he was working on under construction. And then a new book came out and we were like, oh, is that the one? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm still doing that one. This is a different one. 
Then another book came out and another book. And every time a new book comes out, you know, we usually get together. We, you know, Rylan lets us check it out a little early. We do, you know, we either have them on the show or talk about it on the show, whatever. And we were like, finally, this is the one, this is the one, but it's been years. And I've noticed some stuff while reading, we read the first two issues so far while reading the first two issues, Rylan, there's definitely some stuff in there that is way more current than when you originally started making the book. So I guess to put that into a question, how much of that book is, is inspired or has to do with like recent, recent events within the last, you know, year or two. Um, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and it does, it does take years to kind of get these things into a comic shop, uh, sometimes. And it was, uh, that was made more problematic by the pandemic, right? Um, this was actually, this was set to be announced, uh, by a different publisher, a big publisher last, um, February, um, or last March. And then, uh, and then it was comic shops closing pencils Mm -hmm. down everywhere. Um, uh, I, I was, I went from, uh, and then everybody at the company got fired. Uh, and this, this is, you know, I, I'm not going to name the company, but it's, it's, on we know because we knew people at the company and we watched that happen too. So we saw the yeah. same, the same thing yeah. from a different angle. Uh, yeah. And so I go from being in contact with three people there every day. We're planning this announcement and this publication and all this stuff to not having a working email address over there overnight. And then like the new regime doesn't want, you know, there, there was this negotiation for a couple of months, but it's like the new regime doesn't really want anything to do with what the old regime had. And finally it just made sense for me to take the book back and take it somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. but, but then we're in the middle of a pandemic, everybody shut down and most companies are scheduled like a year, year and a half out already. So, um, but I found a great home at source point and, and, and that was awesome. That's, you know, but, but that's beside the point, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, I thought it was really interesting to kind of, when I was writing the book that's happened to what's happening now, I mean, this is a, this is a time travel story. Um, you know, the, the, the larger kind of like drama is about a, 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 you know, a, a villain of sorts. You don't know who, who has kind of gone back in time and has started to sort of change the timeline subtly. Um, and, um, and there are some people who are for some reason aware of it and, and most people aren't. Um, but the people who are aware of it get together and they start comparing notes and they realize they have to do something about it. And, and the only thing that, that, that ends up working their, their, their last kind of hail Mary shot at actually fixing this, doing something about it is rounding up this old team of drunken hooligans and sending them, you know, off to, to do this thing. But, um, but there's, there's a case that's made at the end where it is hard for these people to believe that this is happening. Um, but then some guy makes the case like, look at, you know, look at all that's happening in the world. Right. Um, and you know, this case has been made by scientists. I mean, we've all read the articles saying that like, there is so much random insanity happening right now that the only legitimate scientific, like, uh, uh, explanation for it is that we're living in the matrix, you know, that we're, we're living in a simulation. (laughs) That's how bonkers, that's how how bonkers this is. And so this kind of explores like, you know, a, a, a weird take on that idea that, um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, look at all the shit that's happened in the last, you know, uh, especially the last year, but the last couple of years, the last five years, whatever. Um, the only explanation, uh, the only way to explain all of this insanity is that someone has has gone you know back in time kind of created this alternate timeline and is playing historical puppet master is manipulating things to be this awful and you um, added giant monsters into the mix as well so it's like not yeah. just pandemics and civil yeah. unrest it's giant monsters too so that 
definitely well, kicks it up a notch. Well, 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 but 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 my question is, does it? Because like because I, I've added one thing onto it. That's the only other buy-in. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like if you sit and list, I mean, because we have a character that does it. It's like the you know uh, yeah, like a uh, 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 you know, I mean, a you know, obviously like insane political divide, uh, a, a, a debilitating pandemic, um, a, you know, the a election, coup at, the, coup, at the Capitol, yeah. the election, the, all of this insanity. And then I don't know that monsters coming out of the water and destroying cities is, uh, is, is that big a leap after all that? It's, it's a li- 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 literally, if, if, if we went back in time 10 years and you said like, you know, uh, a coup at the Capitol or uh, a monster coming out of, uh, of you know of the water and destroying london like i i don't know that i don't know that one is more likely than the other right I, i'm going to tell you this right now so yeah. i i always try to look at situations because you know I, I i don't necessarily write scripts for a living but i dabble in writing stories and having ideas and you know if somebody said pitch me something i got something in the pocket and i was trying to figure how do you take the experience of a pandemic and and turn it into a horror movie or something like that because mm-hmm. all the best horror movies draw out modern fears you know night of the living dead one of my all-time favorite was the fear of autonomy people just becoming mindless zombies is is a true horror um and and i came to the conclusion that that a kaiju movie is a great way to assess the fears that the pandemic created because if you're being attacked by a kaiju you're trapped in your house you can't leave because of the danger and this this idea of another out there this came from another country kaiju movies often have some of that xenophobia that comes out of um uh you know the the the, the monster attacking your town i think it's i think it's a very apt analogy yeah there 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 are really interesting philosophical books written about this about what the monsters in the original godzilla movies actually meant and signified you know coming out of the uh you know coming out of the ocean and and it was you know fear of nuclear this and uh and fear of uh of western that and um fear of this past and that past and right. and you know it, it was not a monster it was uh it was this this very real political social fear personified and so that's that's what we're playing with and matt you hit it right on the head to, to get you know directly back to your question is um so we made this a few years back and um and it still worked back then when we were talking about the Patriots Super Bowl comeback and the Oscar flub flub and 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 minor but very crazy shit like that, right? Um and then and then uh and and so if we had released when we were originally gonna release, that still would have played and would have worked and it would have been fine. However, um then, you know, then politics then uh uh then pandemic then all of these other things and you start to prep uh you start to prep the book for publication now and one those references seem a bit dated but now like the line has shifted so far you know what i'm saying it it, it, you know whereas like we were moving an inch every year we moved 10 miles uh uh this this last year so and so we had to revise and so uh so literally um, you saw pages, references that were changed, that were redrawn like sure. a, mo- a month ago. Almost um, as if somebody went right. back in time. And That's what I was going to say. I feel like Ryland <laughs> writing this book, you know, a couple of years ago started off this fucking hole in time bullshit where now everything is a little bit different. So I'm not blaming yeah. the coup on Ryland. Yeah. I'm not blaming anything. I'm not saying that pandemic was his fault because he was fucking yeah. up the time stream. 
But watch for kaiju, everybody. Just yeah. keep an eye out. You know, I mean, as two I, I, podcasters I, who have fucked with the time stream, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just think I'm onto something. And so, if I disappear suddenly, you know, if you guys send me an email, you just don't get a response. <laughs> There's nothing there. If my wife is looking for me, like you know, I'm 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 onto something. And uh, you know, there's a microfilm hidden somewhere. Uh, I will send you guys some info and um, and you know. Just, oh, I would uh, love to get involved just, with intrigue. Just oh, carry on the fight. I'm not just whistleblowing. I'm I'm just whistling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the latest uh, the latest Godzilla movie. I know the the power of podcasting. <laughs> awesome. Oh my Gotta goodness. Love it. Yeah. Oh man. Well, we're about an at about an hour. Um, tell people what they can do to make this book the best for you. Like, what can they do? Where can they buy it? Pre-ordering. I know pre-ordering is really important to get it in your comic book shop. Tell tell people where they can get it. What what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, so go down to your local comic shop and just tell them that you want, uh, you want suicide jockeys and you want it, uh, every month. Um, we, uh, our first arc is four issues. Um, and there will, uh, you know, no doubt be more after that, but, uh, the first trade is four issues. Yeah. So go down there. Um, you can pre-order it right now. Uh, the first issue drops, um, August 26th. Um, and then we'll have an issue a month for, you know, three more months after that. And so how about to, them yeah. variant covers that you're famous for uh yeah yeah I, we have we have plenty of like really amazing variant covers uh we i i am now famous if not infamous for my um my my variant covers do, do you guys use the video does it go on youtube or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. You, you, you are so I, I'm, I'm gonna step back here this is i know this is great radio but um so uh we've done a lot of crazy covers i mean uh you know, with it, I mean, it started out with aberrant. We had a um, a, uh, a a Zamunda coming to America variant at San Diego Comic Con, which was like a, a big deal for a lot of people. We've done like weekend at Bernie's variants and you know Point Break variants. Uh, that Billy um, D. Williams uh, Colt Forty Five variant. Yeah, aberrant works every time. Exactly. I probably have that up here too. But then we. Um, I'm going to disaster. I just, I destroyed my entire, I just kaijued my, uh, there you go. Right there. He's actually holding the <laughs> regular, uh, issue. Yeah. Um, but then we continued it with, with Banjax, uh, you know, Aberrant and Banjax available in fine comic shops everywhere and on Amazon and comicsology. But, um, we did our Rocky four variant. That was a big deal. And we did our gremlins variant, which was also a big deal. And so we are, we are rocking and rolling with the variant covers, uh, on, on this one on suicide jockeys. Um, the issue one variant cover, the the regular variant, I should say, uh, is a, a a an homage to um, the original Roadhouse poster, um, which which might be like, you know, m my favorite cover we've ever done. You got to see it uh, if you if you look online, uh, uh, you'll you'll find it. But that's awesome. Uh, we did an amazing uh, bullet uh, tribute cover uh, for issue two. Um, which may just like as a piece of art, may be the best variant cover uh, we've ever done. And the, um, the, the artists on the actual book, uh, Davi Leon Diaz, Juan Joko Triano, they were, uh, they did the whole run of Aberrant, uh, which we won a Ringo Award for, was nominated for two others. Um, they also did my, uh, uh, my last Kickstarter book, The Peacekeepers. Um, the variant covers are being done by, um, by, uh, uh, Fabio Elvez and Edson Pereira, who um, were both nominated for Ringo Awards for their work on my uh, my book Banjax. Um, so you know, big time artists doing big time covers. Uh, the issue three variant 
is a Top Gun variant, which is amazing. Uh, it is actually my second Top Gun variant because I did a Top Gun uh, uh, volleyball scene playing with the boys uh, variant yep. for for Everett, which which was nice. Uh, this is um, Suicide Jockeys is about guys climbing into armored planes and kicking ass, and so this is a more straightforward like Flyboy Top Gun cover, uh, and it's very fitting. So that's great. And um, the issue four variant is literally being uh colored right now and it is wondrous and amazing it is a uh a um a mr t cereal box variant yeah um, <laughs> that's uh, awesome yeah um and so that that is wonderful and then um and then actually like the variant cover game is going to be stepped up here because source point press has this amazing um it is a retailer exclusive variant program uh where kind of retailers can sign on and they get their own bear you know i mean i have variants limited variants. and so there will be 10 retailer variants uh, uh on issue one um and they're bringing in like big heavy hitter artists and sometimes those artists have their own takes on things sometimes they come to me and they're like hey we want to you know build this uh uh with you what movie are going we going to focus on and so there will be a long way way of saying issue one will have 12 different covers um and each one more glorious and wondrous than the, than the next, some of them extremely limited, uh, uh, and, and, you know, and there'll be foil and metal and all that stuff. So there's going to be plenty Damn. of, uh, like suicide jockeys, uh, uh, collectibles out there. So, well, so Ryland, you'll probably be excited to hear this and Rumi, this was a surprise for you, but from my local comic shop, I've already ordered the first two issues, including variants. So whatever that they, they, they didn't have 12 variants in their catalog, but Rumi, well, you have I, the first two yeah. issues coming. Nice. Yeah, well, well, these are you know again those are retailer exclusives. Those other sure. Things. So you actually you actually have that's to, gonna be you know, go to that to store. Get, well, you have to go to that store online or whatever. But um, that's gonna be but, awesome. Yeah, those are gonna be hard to get a hold of. But but yeah, uh, you can go into any comic shop and get uh, get the regular and yeah. uh, the the standard variant. And, Launchpad has um, already pre-ordered theirs. You guys got to do yours too. Let's keep 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 Brandon in business here, cranking out yeah. these fucking awesome books. Yeah, so we can keep reading some awesome stuff. Get him get him back on the show for the next one. Um, before we leave, I, I, I want every one of us, I'm going to go around, going around the table, and I want you guys to, if somebody needs to get into some tokusatsu, they don't know, they're like, I don't know anything about it, where should I start? I want you guys to give one recommendation. Um, so, we'll think about that for a second. I'll, I'll vamp. Um, and while I'm vamping, I'll just say this, guys, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod, our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Check us out on that YouTube channel. I love hearing from everybody. Guys, if you are into tokusatsu, let us know what your jam is. Is it an anime? Is it one of the live action? Were you hardcore into Power Rangers? You watched every iteration, even the one where they were pirates? Come on, let us know. We love hearing from you guys. So, recommendation time. Ryland, you got one? Uh, I have two, and I'll try to make them short. Uh, uh, I think the, uh, the best point of entry, um, the one that really grabbed me, uh, when I was a kid is a, it's an American movie directed by Charles band called robot jocks. Yes. Uh, Fuck yeah. I just watched motion, that the other day. <laughs> stop motion animation. It is fucking incredible. I mean, the, 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 the quick pitch is basically that it, it is after a nuclear war, world war three. Uh, the, the world has been devastated. War is outlawed, uh, disagreements over territory, mineral rights or whatever are now settled in an arena, uh, by men who climb into, uh, by, by robot jocks who climb into huge Mecca and they battle it out. And, you know, one representing the Russian Federation, one, uh, representing, you know, what is essentially America at that point. Uh, and whoever wins, you know, wins the territory, wins the, uh, the mineral rights. And it is, it is awesome. I mean, I, I, I just, I love the stop motion so much. 
Um, uh, there, there was intrigue, there was spy stuff. That's great. And then if you, if you just want a great monster movie, what doesn't get enough credit as like an amazing monster movie is the, the final, uh, film that Tony Scott directed before he died is a film called unstoppable, uh, with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. And it is a runaway train movie. Uh, uh, they, they work for theaters. They work for the train commission or whatever. And you know, this, you know, a twist and a turn and this train ends up kind of heading off on its own full speed. Um, and it is going to, for various reasons, basically crash into the tiny Pennsylvania town, uh, where Denzel Washington's, uh, daughter lives. Um, and it is the best monster movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, uh, this train is Godzilla. It is, it, it, it is a, it, it is, it is a runaway monster. It cannot be reasoned with, uh, it is living, it is breathing and Denzel Washington and Chris Pine have to find a way to stop it. It's great. Uh, it has everything that you want out of a monster movie. Um, and so I would rewatch it and rewatch it with that in mind. And it's going to fucking blow your skull. That's I, I will. I like I've that. seen that before. I've seen it at least twice. And I remember thinking, Oh, that was good, but I didn't, I didn't think about it in that frame. I like that. So Rumi hit me with your, what's your tokusatsu joint? Like I said, like Tokoblocko is new to me, so I haven't like I don't know as much about it as I could. But the research that I did on like traditional tokusatsu, uh, it seems like Super Sentai would be a real cool starting point. It sounds like that is to use Ryland's word, fucking bonkers. Like it's bonkers all over the place. It has all the pieces. Um, I know more like kaiju stuff. I I'm down with robot jocks since I about fucking alien fighting robot giant fighting kaiju movies. But it sounds to me like Super Sentai is at least where I'm gonna start looking at some more traditional shit because it says like stuff teleports, stuff explodes, stuff has fucking lightning. People get powers when they yell shit. Yes, they have to yell the shit to get the powers. It's all this like weird fucking stuff that like the less you think about it, the more fun it is. I think Super Sentai is good with that. But I'll throw a non-traditional in, especially after Ryland did. But uh friend of the show, Zeb Wells, directed a shit ton of episodes of Titan Four uh Titan Maximum for yes. uh um robot chicken uh 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 Adult Swim, Titan Maximum, and it's Voltron, but like rated R for her for for Adult Swim, and it's like let's punch the shit out of it. Is their their like chant when their robots combine to make the giant robot? It's exactly right. what I want that to be from that. If you guys haven't seen that, it's funny as shit, and it's all stop motion claymation stuff with robots and 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 a giant robot and creatures. It's just fun as shit that's awesome so i'm gonna drop this is a pretty traditional one it's a movie it's on uh, amazon prime it's called super inframan and this thing is ridiculous it'd be perfect for shitty movie sunday it's hysterical you know big monsters big robots and a guy in a suit kicking ass and i think it's hysterical i loved it so much because it's all the action you want all the explosions you want barely makes any sense this guy's a scientist and they're like we need somebody to sacrifice their life for super inframan and he's like I will I will volunteer. Does it hurt? And they're like, immensely. He's like, let's go. <laughs> and they like awesome. trade out his organs for metal parts so he can turn into a giant robot fighter. I'm in. I mean, it's Don't do it. Sign me up. Yeah. Bring on the immense hurt. I'm um, fine and if that. I got to yeah. drop another one, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's not really in the same vein as Power Rangers, but it's more in the veins of like aliens. Um, and this was called The Green Slime. And I love this movie so mm. much. If anything, the intro music is like wailing guitars and this guy screaming, green slime. And uh, these people find some green slime and it turns into these tentacle monsters that like attack a space station and uh, shoot lasers out of their eyes. It's great. It's so good. And uh, <laughs> both those movies. 
if you want to break into some tokusatsu i mean aside from godzilla and um you know gamera uh this is this is those are these are all some great options i really really like it so uh rylan let people know where they can follow you where's what's your social media yeah i am at rylan grant on social media that's r-y-l-e-n-d-g-r-a-n-t uh i always spell it because it's not a real name my parents kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled <laughs> me with it and now i have to uh now i have to spell it for you but um uh but yeah uh you know everything i'm up to uh, uh you'll see there um yeah uh and Plug your um, podcast man yeah, I, I, I was about to do that. I do a uh, I do a podcast if you're a comics fan um, called The Writer's Block with uh, David Avalone, who is a uh, prolific comic writer in his own right. He writes uh, the Elvira comics for Dynamite, and he does uh, Drawing Blood with uh, Kevin, Kevin Eastman. Eastman. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've had, had him on the show for for that. Yeah, uh, Drawing Blood cannot recommend that more. That's yeah, a great. Book yeah, too. yeah, it's great, and and yeah, um, Avalone's one of my best friends in comics, and um, you know, uh, the comic was kind of born out of the sort of void that was created by this pandemic obviously like the whole convention scene shut down and um we got our kind of like uh you know convention um jones kind of serviced by you know like in a panel sense by some of these online cons um uh but what what we couldn't sort of find the right outlet for was something called Barcon. Uh, which happens after a long day at the con. After a long day at the con, the creators get together and they go to the bar across the street and we shoot the shit, right? Um, and it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's camaraderie. Um, and we couldn't find that anywhere uh, uh, when we're all kind of sequestered in our own homes. So Avalone and I kind of created it, uh, you know, via Zoom, you know, almost like we're doing now. And so uh, every week we have a couple of creators on, uh, our, our close friends, and um, we just kind of shoot the shit. And it starts out with a comics business topic, um, and it is insightful and you do have these great creators kind of giving you their, you know, sort of inside view on things. And then it sort of degenerates slowly, but surely into us arguing over like, which is the best Star Trek captain or whatever. Um, but it's yes. a great show. It's been great fun. You know, I think we're 35 weeks in right now and a lot of momentum and we've had, uh, we've had great guests. I mean, we've had Kevin Eastman, we've had Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, uh, John Lehman. Um, we just had Rodney Barnes on. Um, you know, great, uh, great people, great creators doing great books and, uh, you know, something like, I don't know, 60 Eisner nominees at this point. And, uh, so it gets better every week. So check it out. Um, yeah. And just, uh, you know, search for the writer's block on, um, on, uh, you know, Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your ear crack and it's available on YouTube also on the comic core, uh, uh, YouTube channel. So awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We'll definitely have you back when the next you know, next project or more, uh, more suicide jockeys drops. Um, guys, like I said, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Launchpad pod, YouTube, Matt, we should blast this thing off, buddy. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Ryland, you remember this? So I don't know. You do a high five. You're going to swing it in sideways. Yeah. Then you turn it into a rocket ship, you know, oh, wow. and then you blast off with a raspberry. <laughs> So we're going to do it all at the same time. Normally okay. we're like doing it as a high five and everybody's slapping each other, but this yeah, is how we yeah. do it on zoom. All right. Three, okay. two, one. <laughs> yes. We've been the Rocketeers Launchpad pod and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.